I'm your host, Ken McKay, and I know a lot of interesting people. I bring them on, and I ask them dumb questions. In this episode, my continued interview with Rick Hilton and his production of An Improvised Macbeth. So sit down, relax, and listen to episode four, part two of Rick Hilton. for me it's the so, actual creation of stuff do you think there's a risk in improv of people taking it too seriously and going this is th- and blocking off sections this technique is improvisation this technique is not and never the twain shall meet and improv and start putting b- too many boundaries around it and saying this is what improv is and it cannot change it's a good question because there's that the two kind of the two solitudes in improvisation between Dell Close and Keith Johnstone and even those two guys couldn't reconcile it when they're in the same room at the same time. So now that Dell's gone and Keith is really pulled, is pulling away deeply, uh, it's left to the rest of us to answer that riddle. Uh, and that has been a very big question about that. There's definite disagreements in vocabulary and process, for sure. Is that a healthy thing? I, I think debate is always healthy, right? Challenging uh, yourself and, and then trying to reflectively look at what you're doing. Uh, is a healthy thing. Uh, do we get, and I can be easily accused of that, being uh, judgmental about this is right and that is wrong? For sure, that's human nature. Uh, but that healthy debate, I think, it will lead to better things. Uh, but to say that this is and this isn't improvisation, I don't know if I've even ever heard that. I, I can say I've heard and have spoken, this is crappy improvisation. <laughs> I've seen and, and, and lashed that out on many occasions, but it's still improvisation. The adjective is different, but I don't think I would discount, like let's say to, that Dell's work is not improvisation. Definitely not. Mm. It's improvisation. Uh, it probably can be very good. In discussions with Joe Bill and Mark from uh, Second City, I asked them about that, about... How have uh, you know what are your happy moments and your memories of Dell's work and, and that process? And they both that regaled me with many of these really beautiful, happy moment stories of, of events or scenes they were in or watched that revolved around that school of the improvisational world. And the same is true on Johnstone's side, they're both improvisation, we come at it from distinctly different uh, process, distinctly different techniques. Will there always be a debate? For sure. Hmm. For sure. I mean, it's Episcopalian and the Baptists. <laughs> but does that mean neither of them is religious? I don't think so. <laughs> no. I think they're both religious. They just argue a lot. <laughs> 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 
Uh, yeah, well, because for, for whatever reason, like, there always seems to be at least... That's a dumb question, Ken. It is a dumb... <laughs> I, should, I should... Yeah, I, I apologize. I should, uh, speak, uh, speaking you're of fulfilling dumb, your mandate. That is right? my mandate. There's some water there. Oh, if, do I get this? You, that's yours. And we have the guest mug. I have a mug. Uh, for those of you at home, <laughs> it says dumb question. Aww. Um, I find I'm... There's some spilled shit on it. That's yeah, that's, nice. It's, 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 it's the eye. It's like, yeah. I'm asking a dumb question. How awesome. That's very clever. I, I find when I like a, enter a new project, I'll go, you know, do you do? You start a, a website yeah. and reserve the Twitter so no one else takes it mm-hmm. and do a bit of graphic design because you probably need business cards or posters and all that type of thing. So I find I like doing that more than the project itself sometimes. A lot of people, that's the end result, right? There <laughs> it like, is. All like, done. It's like maybe I should have gone into graphic design because I like doing that part of it. It's quite beautiful. I you like that? that? Yeah. The original uh, plan was that every guest would get a mug. Yeah. Uh, but they're really expensive. Oh, am I special? I get a mug. You get, you get, to, you get to drink from the mug. Oh, and give it back. <laughs> you got to keep it. But they're oh. available for purchase online. Oh, damn. <laughs> he says smashing the mug. Smashing mug. Well, it's yours now. <laughs> <laughs> the pottery barn thing. So, yeah. Well, so thank you. Yeah, get a little bit of water. and We were rehearsing a very long day today. It's getting closer, so we're really hammering out some of the nuts and bolts of it now. Getting yeah. on the wigs and the swords. And yeah, the, the stage combat is really interesting. I wanted to take uh, mm. um, his class there, but um, I'm going to be out of town the rest of March, Come so I, I probably would have lost the rest He's of it. He's done but... broadsword and some grappling. There's okay. actually grappling within the broadsword fight. He's quite talented, and the uh, the fights themselves are, are very cool. There's not as much of this of the uh, sword play as I, as I had thought going into it. It's not consuming in any yeah. way. No way. There's uh, the big one at the end. There's two. Seaward gets slaughtered. Uh, uh, Macbeth, of course, uh, and then there is the murder of Banquo. Uh, there's the murder of uh, Lady Macduff and her son, which is hilarious. You come see that one. <laughs> which is oh. the, probably the one of the it's most a, like every t- on the page. It's sad. Murdering of the son. In yeah. in, 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 mm-hmm. in the like a, the Patrick Stewart's production of it. Mm-hmm. It is. Horrible. Oh, it is. No it is. It is. It is. Because the text itself is there's a lot of some double entendres and all that type of thing going right. on, and then it right. it's just it's right. it, it's really disturbing. One of my favorite characters <laughs> uh, to this play so far has been the the son of Macduff's son, uh, played by Pat Quinn, and it uh, he cracks me up all the time, and his murder is hilarious. <laughs> It's hilarious. <laughs> well, you can't spell slaughter without laughter. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's a, it's a fun Scottish tragedy. So, uh, but we did touch on that issue too because the uh, there's a scene that we worked on today between the two, Lady M and Lord M, where they uh, were trying to caricature their reaction to it. It's it's them uh, acting surprised that Duncan's been murdered. And what they were, they first did it in a very Bugs Bunny way, you know, with the rending of their clothes and the looking to the sky with their, the back of their hand on their forehead going, ho, ho. And, and so I said, no, this time, I want you to Stratford the poo out of this. <laughs> uh, you know, I want you to actually, because these are two good actors, right. who are trained as actors, not improvisers, first. I said, use those skills primarily. Forget about the schmacting part, do the acting part. And then they did this scene so beautifully. It was quiet, and it wasn't funny. Nobody laughed, and it was very uh, tragic in its evilness because they looked sincerely hurt that Duncan was killed. 
when we know they're full of it. Right. And he even said as much in the scene prior. They go, we're going to be full of it. <laughs> so they reveal it before they do it, and then they do it, but they did it so well that they made them look even, and I hope they do it that way. I mean, I'm, I'm, all I can do is, is hope right. by pushing them, right? And I really <laughs> hope they do it that way because it was awesome, and it was not improvisation in any way, shape, or form that you'd see in any improv Saturday night thing, you know? Is there much text from... Uh, Tons. Like Way more you, than you still be on book kind of thing? Way you know? more than in Hamlet. Way more. Uh, because it's a shorter play, we have the luxury of being able to uh, keep whole swaths of it. And in fact, in every scene, every, uh, every actor has lines at least that are right out of the text. Uh, some are wholesale right out of the text. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a lot more of the text in this than in the previous production for sure. Mm. A lesson I took from Hamlet. Uh, I love what we did, and it was an awesome production, but like everything, you want to improve on what you're doing. And one of the things that I decided to do was more Shakespeare. Uh, not less improv, more Shakespeare. And we hopefully are going to get the, the best of both mm. worlds here. So you're going to hear lots. Uh, I have a question about the mask work, if that's not giving away a secret. No, not at all. Because on, I think you posted on pictures online. Yeah, really. So, uh, who's who? Who's going to be masked? What characters are going to have? The murderers are in mask, and the murders are created in mask. Uh, the two murders, murder number one is played by Ray Gurry, and number two by CBC food reviewer John Gilchrist. <laughs> uh, uh, he, uh, they, we spent some time actually in the, the building next door. Uh, building these masks before Christmas because we'd never done it before. And thank you, Dean Bearheim from the Greenham Fools, for walking us through that. Checks in the mail. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they, uh, we're doing the masks very irreverently, yet uh, exactly correct. And I, I hope Keith would like it because uh, irreverently, because they'll come in at the beginning when they're getting their instructions with the masks on top of their head, which is a very big no-no <laughs> in the world of comedia and trance well, and all that. That's a comedia thing. Right. The comedian will do that. Well, they'll, they'll break the character. Ah, but, okay, cool. So, so that's, then I'm that's, legit. Yeah, you're legit. Like, oh, I, 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 I was trying I, to throw it to I, the I, have, you know? I have taken <coughs> two comedian classes. I will stamp that as a comedian approved. Awesome. Put your engineering stamp <laughs> yeah, I, on Yeah, I will that. stamp that as comedian approved. By sheer fluke, yeah. and we're doing it correctly. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> Ray is so funny. We're working on these masks, and he goes, I don't believe in that trance crap. You can't tell me there's a lot of trance going on. I'm still Ray. Right, and uh, he'd been doing the murder without the mask for a long time, and uh, he then brought a little mirror, and his mirror is hilarious. He ripped it off of, I think, a GMC Ram. You know, <laughs> you know, you know the little uh, cat eye on the bottom that yeah. the, the objects are closer. Yeah, he has that. That's his mirror. It's so funny. It's a ray. <laughs> Who'd you steal that from? Uh, and because he's from Fort Max, so a lot of trucks to pick from. He he. Then we do it the first time with this mask on, right? As we're, we're practicing it, completely different way. 100%, 180 degree not what he did before. And so I approach him, I go, so where's the I'm not so trancy? And that's a, because it in fact altered everything about the what he did. It was great and hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's excellent. I'm really excited to see what you guys do with that because um, I thought, I was thought that like the, it, for whatever reason, it lended itself to, because it, the, the whole play is about being duplicitous. So, yes. But no one, 
everyone's out for their own self. Yeah. You know, every line has at least three meanings kind of thing. I don't think there's a... They're nasty Everyone's people. nasty. Even, yeah. the, even the good guys are still tricksy. You know, they're still high, you know, they hide behind the, the oaken shield of, of the forest. Burn kind of thing. them wood. Burn them wood kind of yeah. thing. They're, they're all... Everyone's, so having mass characters, I think, almost made sense, really made sense. I thought the, the, the witches would make good mass characters. Uh, it, yes, I agree. You could probably do it that way, and I'd given some thought to that, but I, uh, I felt it was too much uh, because uh, the masks are so different. And they jump out so much, and we only had so much time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the murders are good too, because like you can you can interchange the cast members easily, and it's it's un, it's un, quote unquote unclear who they are, right? They, they become different about characters. Ross, uh, <laughs> Ross of all of the characters in this play, and there's many. This character called Ross kept coming back in our rehearsal process as this haunting figure of. Who the hell is this guy? <laughs> and what? So now what we've done is we've done Ross as the uh, quintessential Star Trek character, the guy with the red shirt that gets killed. Right. Uh, three different people play Ross at three different times, but they're each doing their version of the same guy. <laughs> and so the guy is this uh, New Jersey smarmy Weasley yeah yeah guy, the Steve Buscemi right. of of, this, of Shakespeare. <laughs> So what's hilarious to me is to watch how, okay, I say to them, be Steve Buscemi, and each guy adds his own way of doing it. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's always great seeing character, uh, actors do that because there'll be a through line that they all do the same thing, which is funny. Mm. And then, they're, they're, of course, they're all going to do it differently, too, which is also funny. Oh, yeah. And, and seeing the, the, the similarities and differences. Because we couldn't figure this guy out. And we kept struggling with who the hell. And he kept appearing for no reason. <laughs> was he a messenger? I can't remember. He's no, he's one of the lords. Uh, lord. that kind of, but there's a theory out there that I read now since I start struggled with Ross that it's Ross that actually is the, uh, the brains behind uh, the, the badness. That's one of the new uh, hip uh, theories, hip, hip theories of, of this from, play, uh, yeah. Ross, it's Ross. So search through your read about Ross, but he his character just showed up over and over again in a really haunting way, uh, as being well. How do we do this? How do we get this guy? We didn't have an actor to do it. We, yeah. didn't, we didn't. We needed his lines, but we couldn't give it to someone else. Uh, it was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it happened on its own. I didn't know going into the Ross was going to be a problem. Yeah, it's interesting because it, when you start looking at them, scenes at the at that level, you start analyzing. You start looking at it as a writer. You start going, this character exists solely for these three points. Right. Be, uh, you know, you can tell they added later because they needed. Oh, I need yeah. this. I need this neutral party to come in or right. someone else. And it's interesting seeing like this guy keep coming in and and but yet you can't take him out. Right. <laughs> right. And and the whole cast at some point was going. Just yelling out his name in this kind of like to the to the gods, <laughs> Ross. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's it's been a weird project and has had some real, uh, really great moments. Like good that. learning, like you've learned. Oh, you think you've learned tons. Unbelievable. Uh, and it's still beginning because we're now at this close to opening. We're I'm now adding the improvisational games, uh. so the the kids can come. And watch a groovy show filled with murder and beheading and sword flights, and they'll understand it. A university professor that knows this play inside out can come and watch it and go, wait a minute, they're doing something in this scene that, and what I'm doing is I'm adding improv games but not telling the audience, like we did in Hamlet, but way more of them, way more of them. And some of them are physical improv games. 
and I don't want to tell you any no, of those. I, I don't want to know. Because you should try to spot them. And only somebody who knows the play well and improvisation will be able to see it. Because even knowing the game, like watching, being in Hamlet and watching Hamlet and knowing what games are being played, there were times where like I would forget. Right. Because you guys were... The whole purpose the whole, of the game. You, you, it, was, it, was free, it was almost to the point where it was just for the two actors on stage. Correct. And it didn't matter the audience knew or not. Correct. They just would wonder why they're... Correct. Why it looks so different. Why it looks so different every right. time. And right. So I'm revealing it to you now. Uh, and <laughs> I tell people that know a little bit about improv, watch for them. <clears throat> Spot Waldo. You know, where's Waldo in this? And so you can watch this play three nights in a row, see something different. Mm. And you can watch it from different perspectives, I'm hoping, that will still be appealing to you from, um, you know, the Bugs Bunny part and getting the whole sword play to, I know this play really well, what the hell are they doing in this scene? How is it looking like this? And mm. see if you can figure out why. <laughs> I challenge you. I challenge you. Yeah, throw the gauntlet down. Gauntlet jobs. We're just starting on those. Wow. That's late. You feel that's like, is that when you plan to drop them in? This, yeah. this close to... Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we have to know the story well first so that it's intuitive in order to play the games themselves. Because right. you can't, can't do an improvisational game inside a script without knowing the script inside and out. I found it hard when we were trying to do the hot game as the Gravediggers, trying to keep on this dialogue which we had kind of solidified. Uh -huh. And playing the game became almost impossible to play, to play the game and not... But do you want to do the easy stuff no, no, or the hard stuff? <laughs> <laughs> it's always the hard stuff, right? Well, I, I don't know why. I don't know what the problem is. I think the problem was, was like... Five you, different parts of you, your brain are you, being used. I think usually in a hack game, as soon as your hat's gone, you walk out. There's no, right. The scene never continues. So you never, you never work that muscle of giving my hat back, let's continue this going again. Right. So Let's I, go back to we, Keith, though. Uh, Keith Johnston is appalled by the fact that we're doing these improv games as a performance. It, it, still? Never designed for that. <laughs> That's not the purpose. And, you know, he'd put his fist down. The purpose is what I'm doing with them now, which is to animate the script by, by making the actors create something in front of the audience for the very first time. That's the purpose of them. And it, you don't go up and go, and now, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to do a, a word at a time. And the word at a time is, and describe it and walk you through it. That was, that sort of stuff drives me crazy. <laughs> well, not a bit rightly so, but they're fun to do right. in front of an audience. And the audience likes it, so what the hell. Uh, uh, but in this production, we're actually doing it the way he designed them. And uh, that's my hope to be uh, uh, true to his vocabulary and his philosophy. Wow. Because that's... That's kind of what like the Meisner techniques are trying to do, as I understand them, is to keep the text. Of course, is going to stay the same every night, but the the Meisner exercises you're playing within the scene are going to make them seem more dynamic. Dynamic's a good word. I like that. I, I don't know that uh, that what you're talking. I've about. taken over three hours of Meisner training, wow. so I'm just sitting here can... politely waiting for my name. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Is that an engineering I term? Or what? But the, it talks seems, like I know what I'm talking about. It seems sensible. Uh, you're trying to put something dynamic in front of the audience. Right. What's our goal? To entertain the darn audience that's coughed up their time and money to be there. I mean, we owe it to them. Yeah. It, so being dynamic on stage, thank God. Uh, so, I applaud that. So is that the number one goal is to entertain the audience there otherwise why are you there right you know uh, it thank god they showed up uh and that they paid money and they gave up their time got a babysitter parked the car came down and are sitting there waiting for something to happen <laughs> so please give them something to happen <laughs> you know you owe it to them and then your next job is to make your partner on stage look good 
And you're third in the list. Right. You know, your concerns you're are like when you, your artistic uh, joy is 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 third or third. lower. <laughs> Absolutely, third or lower. Yeah, yeah. Because really, your your needs are relevant to the uh, the goal of entertaining the audience and having your partners look successful and achieve. Uh, once that's accomplished, then you just come along for the ride. You know, but few people. So what happens often in improvisation to rant a little bit is that. <laughs> Uh, the, the straight up improvisational shows are loved by the audience so the actors get a little full of themselves and their ego tends to take over or drive more and then the elbows come out, I call it Gordie Howe mm. improvisation, the elbows come out and people don't jump up as much because oh you're on stage and you know uh, I'm, I fear ego in improvisation more than anything and the more successful you are with it the more ego mm, mm, is allowed to grow, and the consequences of ego are bad, always bad. I, I have an ego, I know, and I try to suppress it, it's hard. And any times that I've done things that are, that are stupid or wrong, it's all because of my stupid ego. And if I could just sit back and bite it and go, what's the greater good, then it would have been easier to, to resolve whatever issues have happened. Hmm. But that's the case over and over and over again over and over and over on, on, and ego's normal it's a part of our personality but learning how to keep control of it in an improvisational world is particularly tough and the more success you have uh, the more ego you get it's a catch-22 well so how, how does one suppress or control the ego first by being aware if you can be at least self-aware you know know thyself if we can quote Shakespeare uh, know thyself and know who you are and what you what are your strengths what are your weaknesses and if ego is one of your weaknesses then at least be aware of it so that when it does raise its ugly head you can at least be self-conscious enough to go oh that's my ego at stake sorry about that <laughs> and be a little Canadian about it you know <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry about that and and try to use it less uh, people who knew me back in the mid-70s when improvisation was just taking off and we thought at the time because we were one of I was one of eight improvisers in the world when it started so we rightly knew that we were something special but then we started to think like we were special and I too did that and major audiences started showing up we were selling up Sunday nights two or three hundred people because there was nothing in Calgary that looked anything like it there was nothing in the planet that looked anything like it, that w it was truly a unique creative moment in time by eight or 12 super great people who then got a little carried away with themselves because we were so successful. We actually thought we were changing the world. I mean, our egos grew so large uh, that it has damaged relationships between individuals in that group of 12 permanently. Uh, they never worked again as a group uh, because of that. Things kind of crashed and burned after we hit these enormous heights for that time. Uh, so that pattern repeats itself over and over and over again. And I've, we see it to this very day, to this very day. Uh, so gripping your ego is critical to longevity in the art form. And sometimes that means swallowing your pride and saying, yeah, I screwed up because I was too egocentric, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it's just that simple. And then try move on, right? right. Go on and, and hopefully you've learned and you're a little less of a, but anyway, the, the type of guy I was then 
relative to what I think I am now is night and day. As uptight and wired as I am now, you should have seen me in 1975. I was insufferable. <laughs> I had long, beautiful hair, because I don't now. And I was uh, you know, a very fit young man. I worked on a paving crew. I was like a tanned, blonde-haired, uh, haughty McHotterson, which is what I'm not today. <laughs> and I'm much happier in these shoes than I was then. And mm. people have commented who have not seen me for many years, you're a completely changed guy. Uh, less uh, insufferable. <laughs> you know, because we thought we were all that. And oh. for a moment in time we were. But we let it get to our head. Well, I mean, how many times have we heard that story with like some rock band or something like you reach a certain point all and then and then they all they, like they all disappear and each of them thinks that they're the reason the band exists and then well, take today how many improvisers are there in North America today like you count oh. every student and yeah. every show in every basement and every church and every yellow painted room <laughs> how many take a shot yeah North America yeah in the thousands tens of thousands yeah. I bet uh, so there's tens of thousands well in 1977 there was 12 and being one of those 12 you really got full of yourself, you know. We really thought we were it, you know, and we were, <laughs> and then we weren't. <laughs> so, so, so if you could, like, go back and find that young Rick and give him one piece of advice. Wow. Uh, like, Get your head out of your ass. <laughs> I think, oh, sorry, I did it again. Uh, it, it, you know, uh, come to grips with your, your you know, humanness that you're not all that that you're just that with a specialized knowledge set and put it to good use you know I think that would be more than anything but I followed that route and I did put it to use I mean I went to Vancouver and helped that theater company survive wonderful friends to this day beautiful memories thousands of shows not hundreds thousands of shows, uh, none of those would I take back or change or do differently, including even the crappy ones because they taught me so much. You know, the horror stories, the hell gigs as we call them, taught me a lot on how to, how to ask the right questions before you start. I, you can't teach that in one bit of advice to a young man, you know, from the, from the past. But I would <laughs> try to dumb down the ego for sure, you know, get a grip with that. I didn't really fully understand the concept of ego and how much damage it does till a good couple of decades into my career, you know. Now I know it well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the few things about getting older, you lose your hair, your eyesight goes bad, your back hurts, but you get smarter. And I'm much smarter about ego than I, than I was in the past. Uh, I hope I treat people, you know, accordingly and have, try to pass that lesson on, both on and off the stage. So. Well, it has to be a tough one too, especially when you do have success out of the gate. Success, you know, you work hard, mm -hmm. and then you get your success. That's what you're supposed to do, right? right. Work hard, get success, and then, right. you know, it's very hard to once you got that success to not realize you're just at the foot of another mountain, right? <laughs> not to roll around in it. And go, yeah. yeah, look at me, yeah, I'm so smart, SMRT smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very you know, hard, but, but yet, but somehow also take also take pride in your work too. Also go look, look what sure. I achieved, and, it's, yeah. and at the same time, then go, 
and that's that and close the page and right. then go back to work. <laughs> right, go back to work, get another production. I mean, I'm liking this one so much. I'm thinking about what next. Mm. I look forward to my uh, cup of tea with Keith and, uh, and quiz him on that. I don't know if I'll do another Shakespeare. Uh, uh, I love the, the work, and uh, it's just I know the other plays too well. Mm. And I know I don't like them. Like Romeo and Juliet. Blah! <laughs> Blah! <laughs> Uh, you know, Midsummer Night's Dream gagged me. Uh, brilliantly written and wonderful and all that. But I like Tempest. I don't know. Mm. So I'm already, yeah, you're, I, I've not quite closed the book yet, and I'm already thinking of the next one. Yeah, I have to be. That's right? the way it goes, yeah. You should always be looking ahead and uh, figuring out what's the next hurdle that you want to dive into and challenge yourself. I've done a lot of improvisational shows. Been there, done that a lot over three decades, and now I crave, as all my peers of my age are craving, uh, greater challenges within the scope of the vocabulary that I know. So it'll be an improvisational challenge. I just don't know what it will be yet. Hmm. That's kind of the fun, right? Yeah, not knowing. Hmm? Le leap and find, figure it out on the way down. That's right. <laughs> I'm already in midair. Mid uh, <laughs> well, better, better yeah. get my library card out. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, you actually have them, the library card? <laughs> <laughs> it, seems, it seems more poetic. It's old than, school. It seems more poetic than like, I'm going to pull up my phone and start Googling. Yeah. <laughs> my library, what's public, that little public code thing Public called? domain code, yeah. <laughs> place. What's that? Oh, QR code. QR yeah, code. I, my, I need my library QR, QR code. code. Doesn't have the same impact. <laughs> no, my buddy Dave said the problem with cell phones, you can't hang up on somebody violently. You know, in the old days, you could slam the receiver down. And, and it rang and it the bell. Clang. It rang the bell. Yeah, and and the bake light really would shake. I saw the thing with Steve Jobs where he got all mad about uh, somebody uh, taking his uh, idea. It was yelling at Bill Gates. And he slams the phone so hard it shatters in his hand, right? Try to do that with a cell phone. It's like, push. Like, how do you push that finger angrily, you know? Mm. I'm going to hang up. There. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would just put you on speaker. I'm sorry. Hold on. Wait. Yeah, hang on. You, you, no, still screw off. Screw off. Screw off. Yeah. So we've lost a little thing in that. The little, the little in thing. In our technology, you know? <laughs> you poor kids. They don't get to hang up on people. No. no. <laughs> Find another substitute, maybe. <laughs> we need, like... Uh, an app like when you when you hang up, it makes a smashing it, like, sound. It, like yeah. it like texts them a picture of a phone being smashed or something. Some <laughs> idiot, out, no, some genius out there is in a basement who's going to design who, that. Who just app did that? Make a fortune. Send me some checks, will you? It's yeah. out there. The hanging up app. The hanging up angrily app. So he's already hung up, but it makes this horrible smashing. Oh, I'll sound. go one further. That's we use our cell phones as a cell phone. People who have grown never grew up with like a landline. They don't use. They don't phones. even use their phone. They'll text each other or uh, yeah. or Instagram each other or yeah. or uh, Snapchat each other. So even in your generation, the technology is evolving again. Has shifted even further even away further from further away. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and and for all those decades of promising us video phones. Yeah, where and we, we have them now, but like right. no, no, Nobody they're, they're stupid. I don't, be... don't you hate getting old, kids? <laughs> <laughs> But I have a video phone. I, I just need I just need meals in pill form and a jetpack, and we got we're set. You're gonna be telling kids to get off your lawn in no day. Get off my lawn. Get off my synthetic uh, yeah. state state approved lawn. Get off of our uh, community owned property. <laughs> After turf, common sir. Yeah. Oh, sorry about you. No, no problem. It's just one, one more thing. Getting old, it sucks. It does. It does with the, my, my microfiche skills just lost. <laughs> I grew up with card catalogs, so yeah. don't talk to me. I had a rotary phone. We used them. You know. Yeah. Oh, man. So, anyway, back in my day. Back in my day. Back in my day. But I'm still doing the stuff, and I'll continue to do the stuff. 
It's just uh, it, the weekly shows uh, uh, aren't as inspiring to me as they have been. Mm. Uh, and so I'm going to be doing projects that hopefully uh, I don't know what I'm doing when I start them. And that's the love for me is that I'm, I'm, I want to create right, mm. everything about it. Like this is a process, what we're working on right now. We're, we're creating something right from the ground up. And that I, I find so cool. As, and is it, are we making mistakes? Totally. Mm -hmm. Will there be clunky moments in the play? Undoubtedly. Uh, but that's the fun, right? Is the is the the creative side of it. So what's next? I don't know. Mm -hmm. The risk, the risk without being like pretentious. Oh yeah, <laughs> then come back to ego. Yeah, pretentious is about ego. So yeah, uh, I've learned a lot. You haven't asked any dumb questions. Yeah, this one was, was dumb question light. I think we're at our hour too, so. Are we? Yeah. That was fun. That, that, was, that goes by quickly. Oh, it's nice to see we, you. We again. can do it after hours. We just, we yeah. just drop F bombs constantly. It's like a little it's time part three. Thing goes off. We it's part three. Drinking. It's yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're going to drink while we talk. Did you guys. I know you've told many stories. I don't know. Maybe you want to share them here, but do you ever like intentionally get very drunk and then do improv? In the early days of improvisation, we were so obsessed with the unleashing of the creative mind that we started experimenting in all ways to unleash the creative mind and without uh, hopefully getting a, a, a officer of the law showing up at my house uh, we tried almost every drug imaginable I dropped acid with my buddy uh, when we started a show to see what it would do by the time the show was ending uh, we smoked hash, we smoked pot, we ate hash during a play one time, we made these hash brownies trying to see if the type of ingestion of, of, <laughs> of weed or hash would change the way in which we are, which, and how our creative mind would be unleashed. Right. We drank. Different people drank. We thought, well, in the early days, let's uh, pound back this and see how this changes. Tequila, mezcal. Uh, we did everything that you can possibly imagine. Cocaine, uh, I must confess, we tried that too, thinking perhaps it's the speedy mind that works. Mm. Uh, we stopped short of things like opium and morphine and heroin, but it was only because everything failed. Any time we did anything that wasn't in our most sharpened intellectual way, we failed. Worse, and not just good failure, but dumbass, stupid, drooling failure. <laughs> the, the acid in particular was completely ridiculous. Because by the time the show was ending, we were just gibbering idiots, thinking we were being creative and looking out at an audience just staring at us going, what is going on? <laughs> Until our friends and colleagues basically sat us down and finished the performance for us. Thank you, Ross Patton. Uh, so really, the, the answer to that is we tried a lot of things and failed at all of them. And I don't think to this day that anybody could disprove that mm. real laboratory experiment that we did. It was an experiment. Yeah. It wrapped up as an excuse to get high, and uh, it, none of it works. And if anybody's out there thinking that you can actually pound back a few beers or a, a reefer before you go on, you're thinking mm. wrong. You're limiting what you can do. Your brain needs to be as smart as it can be, not dumb in any way, shape, or form. Because mm. I had this brilliant similar idea to do a show where you do a double blind uh, drinking show where mm. 
some of the uh, actors would get near beer, and some of the actors would get real beer. So they would nobody would know what was drinking, and then you then you chart their their blood alcohol and, and the rating of the show, and just see if you could if it was a sweet spot, like a beer and a half. It's like yeah, people the show gets better, and then it you know then it tanks, then it tanks, and mm-hmm. to see whether or not even just drinking. Near beer, but thinking you might be drunk, what that effect would have on a performer. I smell a disaster, Kent. Like I real, like it'd be a fun thing because everybody would laugh at the whole. But it's like that the Christmas radio shows where they're, t- t- you know, t- telling people not to drink and drive right. by having the announcer get drunk during the morning with the cop there giving him breathalyzer, right? Yeah. And see, and by the end of it, he's like, well, that's not creative. That's just stupid. <laughs> I don't think you need to do that no probably not probably not it might be fun for like an evening out uh, uh, <laughs> you know just get your friends together <coughs> instead of uh, improvise this thing improvisers don't do is they they don't go out and without an audience do an improv show at home in different ways like that why not do that at home do that at home yeah it's yeah. the same thing improvisers won't do that i'm always a little disappointed when i'm with improvisers off stage you know out somewhere and there's opportunities for an improv game or just the attitude of improv to show up, mm-hmm. and I'm always a little disappointed when it when it doesn't. When people like kind of shut you down, your mm-hmm. shut you down our ideas, or mm-hmm. don't want to play along. They block you. They right. block you. Yeah. Don't want to play along because we're not on stage right now. Right. And I was a little bit like, oh, yeah. but it's still fun. Like yeah. I'm not asking you to like take your pants off or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. offensive. I'm just saying maybe we could play a little. Put your thumb <laughs> on it. Whenever you block something, it, you, it's something lesser comes of that. Whether it's in your real world or on definitely on stage. Yeah. And if they block off stage like that, it makes you see so you're already kind of complaining about it. Yeah. You get a little whiny there. A little bit. A little I'm disappointed. Oh, I'm, I'm so hurt. My feelings. Yeah. My feelings. Yeah, and that's not cool, right? You don't want your feelings. No. You want to be uh, embiggened. You don't want to, <laughs> you want to be enlittled. Exactly. So, yeah, and that's blocking. That's blocking will do that all the time. I don't like hanging out with most improvisers after a show. <laughs> you know, uh, well, that's not true. Right? It's just spent a week, in, or a week golfing with an old improviser friend. Right. You know, it creates good, long friendships, uh, hopefully, for everybody. Uh, but, yeah, when people block your idea, you just feel a little whimpery and whiny. So. Yeah, I get that. I'm, all, I'm, I'm small. Thought that way. I'm small. Yeah. <laughs> My ideas aren't good. <laughs> And they are good ideas, Ken. Well, they, well I, don't, I don't even know if they're good ideas. They are just something. So did you actually think of a really dumb question? Really? Okay. What's the dumbest question you've dumbest, got? I really want to hear a dumb, dumb question. question. Yeah. Dumbest question I had for you was whether, because um, I know you're a golfer. You mentioned that you're golf, and mm-hmm. you and you probably golfed last week or next week. Yeah, still got a summer. Um, is, have you, is there any connection between golf and improv? Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> How did you think that would be dumb? That's well, awesome. Well, because some people go, golf is golf and improv is a show. Oh, no one, it's like... ideal. It's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, when you're addressing the ball, the most important thing to do is to empty your mind and focus on this little white ball. And for me, I actually focus not only on the ball, but on the back side of the ball. I, I try to look intently uh, at the one section of the ball that my club is going to hit. And I try to think only of that all through the backswing and all through the, the follow-through until I'm finished and looking at where it's going. And then I can think of everything else, the trees, the birds, the bees, my buddies, the beer. But in, impro- and in improvisation, that's exactly what you need to do every moment that you're in, which is focus on the moment you're in. Be in the moment. 
you know, be here now sort of thing. Be in that moment of the scene that you're creating, the story that you're developing, the character that you're living. Be in that for that moment of time. And when you're in that moment purely, all the ideas will flood to you. In golf, if you're in that moment purely, the ball goes straight. If you, <laughs> we call it a vanilla moment in golf where you're doing all the breathing, you've got your setup, your grip is all good, you're looking at the ball, you go into the backswing, at the top of the backswing, you go, I like vanilla. You downswing and the ball goes, <laughs> We call it the vanilla moment. And the ball goes completely perpendicular to the tee box, hits yeah. the beer girl, and you know, there's a, there's a tinkling noise, uh, and you, call, you do what's called a shank, which is a disaster. Yeah. And it's you the same in improvisation. In if you and I are doing a scene, and all of a sudden I think in my mind, gee, my daughter moved out today. What a great day. I will have missed what you're doing and not listened to you, and I can't contribute anymore. I'm done. Hmm. Get off the stage. Just get off. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say, like, one of the, like, as one of the marks of a good improviser is, like, everyone's going to, mine's going to drift a little bit. Right. Right. And then when you first start improvising, you're doing it a lot. A lot right. And then as you improve, that's what that's what you're improving is actually your focus. 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 That's the biggest, best word to use. Focus. It's one thing Colin Mockery does so well. He's very mediocre at everything he does. He's a terrible <laughs> singer. Ask him. He'll say, I'm a terrible singer. I can't act my way out of a wet bag. And he's probably like taking you classes know? and studied it and oh, worked on it. Like totally. he's not like dance, all that stuff. He knows all the words and he's terrible at it. But what he's genius at and why he's so successful is he can super focus on the moment he's in right here, right now. When you're on stage with him, he is actually listening to every word you're speaking and he's watching everything you do intently. Wow. And then he'll speak, but not before. He's much more of a follower in that regard than, than a driver. He doesn't like to drive. He loves to follow. So he said, you guys just do it, and I'll pick it up as we go along. Beautiful. Who's the best paid improviser on the planet? Colin Mockery. Why don't we just do what he does? <laughs> Duh. You know, uh, Rory McIlroy's the best golfer. Let's just swing the club like he does, all right? Don't make yeah. up your own swing. Just do that. If you do that, you'll play better golf. If you do what Colin does, you'll do better improvisation. Focus on the moment. Concentrate. Super focus. Listen. Watch. Stop thinking. You're thinking I'm, right I'm now. sorry. I, I was just looking at my levels. He's thinking right now. <laughs> That's a, I feel so bad. Like Ken's I, thinking. I, I'm trying to like I'm trying to focus and listen to you as my uh, guest, and uh, I'm interviewing. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm having to run the tech at the yeah. same time. So I'm yeah. like watching the time, watching yeah. the levels, and I'm like, uh. I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said the A word. Oh crap! That's I nice. had to drop the uh, expletive tag on this uh, one. Okay. All right. Well, that's our time. So thank you for coming down to the luxurious Dumb Question Studios and having a chat with me. And uh, so we got the Scottish play, otherwise known as Macbeth. Thank you. Uh, running March 12th, 13th, and 14th at the Engineered Air. Right. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. And tickets are still available for uh, all nights? Yes, there are. Uh, they're, they're amazing response so far. But we got two. Uh, you'll be a week ahead. So I'd say get a hold of improvguild.com and reserve your seats. Excellent. Come early. And how much are tickets? 20 bucks, 20, 20 bucks. Including tax, $10 for students and seniors. How do you get the student senior rate? You show up and go, I'm a student or a senior. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a student or, or a, a senior. senior. And if you're both, it's still 10 bucks. <laughs> excellent. Uh, that's excellent. And you're also on the Twitter at Improv Guild? At Improv Guild, that's huh. right. We have a Facebook thing uh, now. I don't know what our thing is. The Canadian Improv Guild? Uh, a Calgary Improv Guild. Calgary Improv Guild? Calgary Improv Guild, yeah. Okay, and and uh, you can call me if you wish. You know, I won't give you my number, but go ahead. Call. <laughs> excellent. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Thank you. 
for more dumb questions, go to standupcomic.ca.